Not long ago, I answered the core question, what's stopping the 99% from successfully rebelling against the 1%? My original answer was like this, lack of hope in ourselves. You can't get mad at someone for not fighting for their rights if you aren't willing to fight for yours. And, of course, you can't expect anyone to fight for you if you don't do the same for them. People are also pinning too much of their hopes to politicians and even to corporations themselves, rather than pooling their resources and creating alternatives from the bottom up. So I do feel like I should expand on that, you know, elaborate, explain exactly what I mean, or at least try to. It's, it's hard to fight when you're exhausted and everything seems hopeless. However, it's not like we've tried everything already and nothing works. But if we stop fighting the symptoms of this disease and become vigilant for the disease itself, it's going to utterly destroy any movement. Sheer conformity can build up a resentment that festers in the guts of our movements and keeps us from resisting any fascists and white supremacists out there. However, part of my mission as a blogger and podcaster is to encourage people to organize alternatives to the status quo and in ways where we can avoid a massive backlash, potentially. So let's look at the big issue of racists and fascists. As I do so and propose partial solutions to these issues, or at least ways to begin to better address them, I know already that I'll be accused of being naive and utopian. But please humor, humor me here, hear me out. So how daunting are these racist groups? Well, we know they're significant historically, and uh, even in a contemporary sense, even the so-called U.S. Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, called white supremacist extremists, quote, the most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland. So I think organizing a more socially liberal society will be easier if things are more just and equitable. And one of the best ways to do that to encourage organizations that do not exclude by class. Too many organizations emphasize profitability and money in general. This is not to say we'll likely abolish the profit motive or anything that drastic, especially not like not overnight. But if we pool resources together and create things like, you know, boarding houses, free and affordable housing cooperatives, and gift economy, uh, elements like what you can find on certain internet forums, which I've seen locally, it will tend to ease tensions and animosity. Basically, I think it's harder for people to engage in psychopathic behavior in a kinder world. Now, am I saying such efforts will instantly destroy racism or other forms of potentially violent hatred and conflict? No. But they can't help but reduce the odds of things, you know, getting more extreme. I think many look at this dog-eat-dog world and they get resentful, angry, and afraid. And a demagogue like Donald Trump can easily come along and scapegoat minority groups for problems or simply make up problems out of thin air through conspiracy theories. When it seems like everyone's out to screw you over, it's a little bit easier to walk down some darkened path. And a lot of people who say, well, no one said life is fair. 
are just looking to justify and rationalize the status quo, and possibly their participation in its worst aspects. So organizing differently is important. Regarding how people can organize and reduce the odds of facing much backlash, I think it could be easier than one might think, actually. Rather than having all organizing involving protests and rally permits and bullhorns at traditional public forums like sidewalks or, you know, public parks, and potentially just annoying passers-by, I think a relatively small group of relatively well-off people could take the initiative and with minimal fuss. Because what are some of the problems with protests and activism anyway? I can totally see some activists thinking, you know, I, I'm angry at the people who are happy to stay home instead of throwing their bodies into the face of hate, you know, in a counter-protest against some hideous racist group, or whatever. However, I think if more time was spent simply organizing in other ways, like the ones I mentioned, potentially more could come out of it. And when I say this, I think there's a danger of sounding like I'm anti-protest or something. I'm not necessarily like that. In fact, I've attended a few protests in my day. However, I know they don't always go anywhere. They are a tool that can be used, but not always successfully. And sometimes they can be misused. I mean, let's face it. And you know, may maybe that same hypothetical activist I mentioned earlier, maybe they would say, I'm angry at people who are passively allowing the police to operate as a layer of protection for the 1% at the expense of the rest. So I get that, and I agree. But at some point, more needs to be done than just verbally railing against such people and such interests. Modern problems, to an extent, are greater than a dispute between racists and anti-racists or even, you know, between the rich and poor. Passivity is obviously a problem, and the lack of alternatives being created or even advocated for is also a problem. So yes, I am all for recognizing how the actions of the right wing are directly linked to the horrifying actions of society at large. But really, if we are more directly doing things like preventing poverty, do you really think as many Americans would be hoodwinked into thinking, you know, minor, relatively minor issues like cancel culture and the modern era is going to be the biggest concern? And I feel funny saying that because, honestly, I, I agree that political correctness can go too far. But, you know, things like corporate greed and racism are going to still be the bigger issue. If there's some greater success at preventing poverty and empowering the working class, I don't think we'd have as much of a perceived need for anti-fascists or Antifa or whatever the hell you want to call efforts against these kind of groups, you know, whose perceived excesses are, you know, the, the, the efforts to undermine these racist groups, the perceived excesses are easily used as propaganda fodder by right-wingers with the aim of framing them as a primary source of conflict and chaos in society. And, you know, the right-wing media can, can, to some degree, successfully depict the racist groups or the, you know, the fascist groups, whatever you want to call them, 
as the purveyors of order. You know, there are some people who are falling for that. And I think that, you know, we have to find ways other than just protests or counter-protests. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm against all protests or that all of these issues will simply slink away back into the darkness overnight. The simple point is that if there are sustained, workable organizations that function charitably and minimize hardship, it seems like it would be tricky to be angry at the people involved or to be racist or otherwise hateful in general. It would be trickier. Honestly, how many people would be turning down invitations for housing that's affordable and who knows, maybe even non-profit health care that's, you know, actually legal and uh, stuff like that. I think there are things people could be working harder at right now rather than slavishly depending on the corporations and politicians, also known as the government, uh, for solving everything for us. People can obviously create problems, but that's not to say they can never work together to provide solutions. I've seen it myself on a micro scale, but we need more of it on the macro. If this makes me radical or naive, then so be it. I think there are some worse ways to be. Alright, so that's my little rant. Um, hopefully you agree with me. If not, I guess... Uh, sucks for you, probably sucks for other people as well, but whatever, you know, my two cents.